0: Hey, welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the I Mostly Avoid People Too edition. Today is episode 165. For some animals, a human voice is the most terrifying thing. And sharks living in a golf course pond have vanished. Uh, that was a lot, I know. My friends, first, congratulations. We human beings have made such a name for ourselves, even protected species. Living in a reserve will flat out stop whatever it is they're doing and haul ass in the opposite direction away from merely hearing us. In the first half of the show, we're going to cover a brand new ingenious study that literally shows animals fleeing the sound of human voices more often than hearing dogs barking, lions snarling, and gunshots. Yes, even more than hearing gunshots. My friends, I'm talking about thousands of videos and thousands of recordings of well over a dozen species, including the hefty rhino, for example, all running out of fear from us, and not the largest predator which stalks them daily, the lion. Now, how this study was conducted, where it was conducted, and which animals were spotted, and the stats are going to leave you saying, damn, humans really do have a PR problem. It's not good. (laughs) Thankfully though, this study can help turn that around just a little bit. Knowing that our voices alone can cause stress and incite fear means we need to take this into account with preservation efforts. Then after the break, a human slash wild animal interaction that actually doesn't blow. My friends, Florida may have alligators bespeckling golf courses, but Australia just said, hold my fosters. In the kooky 1990s, A group of juvenile bull sharks were left stranded in a golf course pond, and there they thrived. For decades, they became legends and adored mascots for the golf club, but they haven't been seen within the past few years. How these sharks got there to begin with, how they could even survive in a pond without human intervention for so long, and where they could be now, shall all be revealed. In the meantime, I'm Jill Chacha. And if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my sporty business goose. To begin, we'll need some sunscreen and some zip ties. I'll explain, because we're heading on over to the stunning reserve that is Kruger National Park. And for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, don't worry, I've got you. All you have to do is picture Africa. Thank you. Now point to the very southern tip, okay, there is South Africa, and in the northeast corner you'll see Kruger National Park, one of Africa's largest reserves that is home to every classical beautiful creature you can imagine. Leopards, rhinos, elephants, buffaloes, literally hundreds of other mammals, even more species of birds, including vultures, eagles, and storks. You've got your mountains, your bush plains, and your tropical forests. And most notably of all, my friends, Kruger National Park, is home to one of the world's largest remaining lion populations. This fact makes this reserve especially popular among conservation biologists who study how large predators impact their surrounding environments. Biologists such as Liana Zenette and Michael Greatname Clinchy of Western University in Canada. Now, this pair is something special. They study fear. Yes, you heard me. They focus on how fear impacts ecology, hierarchies, populations, lifespan, you name it. And for their latest study, Kruger National Park was the perfect location to answer the following question, as so wonderfully stated by Leslie Evans Ogden of the New York Times. Quote, So, turning to the savannas of South Africa, where a diversity of mammals have evolved for millennia alongside lions and human hunters... Dr. Zanette and Dr. Clinchy, yep, they were curious. (laughs) Where did humans rank on the scale of scariness among these mammals? End quote. That's right, my friends, his name is Dr. Clinchy, and that's right, who is more terrifying to wild animals of the savannah? The king of the jungle, or the species who has just been officially labeled as a, quote, super predator? Spoiler. Spoiler that would be us. According to Zanette and Clinchy's study titled, Fear of the Human Super Predator Pervades the South African Savannah, recent global studies show humans kill prey at much higher rates than any other predator. And yes, a study had to be done on that. This fact inspired Zanette and the Clinch, with the Clinch telling EurekaAlert.org, quote, Lions are the biggest group-hunting land predator on the planet, and thus ought to be the scariest. And so we're comparing the fear of humans versus lions to find out if humans are scarier than the scariest non-human predator. End quote. So, my equally wild business goose, you may be wondering how in the holy hell do you test fear of all things in free-roaming animals within such a massive space? That is a great question. Get them zip ties. Don't worry, don't worry, it's it's gonna be okay, I promise. Zanette, the clinch, and colleagues traveled to Kruger National Park during the dry season. It would be impossible for them to track the thousands of animals here, so the animals would have to come to them. The plan was ingenious. Get this. Dozens of bear-proof boxes containing video cameras were tied to trees circling 21 watering holes. The cameras ran 24 hours a day for six weeks. And along with them, a speaker played clips of sound bites in random order when triggered by movement. For the control, lovely local bird calls would be played. But for the test, oh, hold on to your cheeks. The sound files included human voices, lion vocalizations, barking dogs, and gunshots. The human voice clips, which were at conversational volume levels, came from radio or television recordings of people speaking the four most used languages in the region, including Sangha, Northern Sotho, English, and Afrikaans. The dogs and gunshots were meant to represent sounds associated with human hunting, and the lion vocalizations. Curated with the help of lion expert and co-author Craig Packer of the University of Minnesota, they were meant to signal the presence of the top predator in the region. The key thing, though, is that the lion vocalizations are of them snarling and growling in conversation, as it were, not roaring at each other," said Clinchy. <laughs> that way, the lion vocalizations are directly comparable to those of the humans speaking conversationally. End quote. From EurekaAlert.org. That is really cool. That is something really cool to, to take into consideration. And also cool was that everything was played at the same volume, so if anyone got spooked it wasn't because of volume differences. And speaking of spooked, fear was expressed and quantified by the action of running or fleeing from the watering hole after the sound files were triggered. Now, Before I play some clips and get into the crazy stats, here's a little fun fact as to why bear-proof boxes were chosen here, since there certainly aren't any bears in South Africa. Quote, We put the camera in a bear box because of the hyenas and leopards that like to chew on them, Zanette told IFL Science in an interview. Um, my friends, not to be outdone by those two species, Clinchy told the New York Times, quote, the elephants gave us a lot of headaches. In one video recorded at night during a lion playback, an elephant smashes the recorder, the camera goes black, and elephants triumph as they leave. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Good for them. And you know what? That aggression towards lions is a totally natural response. Karen McComb, a University of Sussex animal communication researcher, told the New York Times, thanks to their individual size and their collective size as a group, elephants often bunch together, encircling babies and advance towards those lions. They can definitely take them on. Now, my friends, you may be wondering if elephants reacted the same when hearing a human voice. No. They ran. That's right, a 10,000-pound creature ran. We need to get into these results. First, I'm going to play some video and do my goddamn best to describe how the animals in that video react to what you're hearing. Uh, Now, if you want to watch along, which I highly, 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 highly in parentheses suggest, yes. All these videos are out there on the interwebs. Um, I'll have screenshots on our social media stuffs, of course, but if you search Fear of Human Voices, Kruger National Park, lots of articles will come up, as will the study itself. Uh, that's what I'm using, it's free to read, uh, and there's a bunch of videos embedded. Now I'm going to play the first few seconds of video S1 uh, provided by the study, as I said. Now I'm going to play a couple of moments of it, pause it, and then describe um, just how freaked out these animals are. Okay, here we go. My dad was a teacher, so I grew up in a home and the only thing I knew was sports. Uh, I played tennis, I played cricket, I played rugby, and I loved my sports, and especially cricket and rugby. Okay, so those few seconds were just a couple of really beautiful giraffes just heading towards a watering hole. That man's voice comes on. They stop. They stop walking. And then just book it in the opposite direction. And here is scene two. I mean, it's very difficult when Afrikaans as I don't know what a speak. And no one speaks directly Okay, if you watch video S1 from this study, you are going to flip when you watch that scene. Okay, so the second scene is of a leopard dragging its prey. It just killed an impala, and it's dragging its prey in its mouth. The audio clip plays, it stops, drops its prey that it just killed, it's probably starving, and then it runs off into the opposite direction after hearing that woman's voice. That is insane. Okay, let's do one more scene. Okay, that was a quick one, but it was at night this time. The other two were during the day. This is completely at night and it was a lone hyena walking parallel to the watering hole. Here's the voice and it was the fastest run we've seen yet didn't even stop its gate to try to understand the situation. It just heard the voice and just booked it in the opposite direction. So, I mean, I'm actually going to be honest, too. I mean, (laughs) if I were just chilling and minding my own business and I hear some weird dude suddenly chatting beside me, I I would be creeped out. I'd be creeped out as well. I mean, it's the kind of thing you move train cars for if you're in New York City. You You don't do that. So I think my reaction is very much aligned with the vast majority of these animals' responses. Let's get into it. Quote, The researchers found that the animals were twice as likely to run and abandon watering holes in response to hearing humans compared to hearing lions or hunting sounds. Fully 95% of species, including giraffes, leopards, hyenas, zebras, kudu, warthog, impala, elephants, and rhinoceroses, ran more often or abandoned watering holes faster in response to humans than in response to lions. End quote from eurekaalert.org. My swift business goose, they ran 40% faster when hearing a human. Okay, 40% faster than hearing a lion, 40% faster than hearing a gunshot, (laughs) it was nothing but a human voice. So, what does that all mean exactly, and how can we use this info to help our terrified friends? Well, the clinch said it best to Eureka. The fear of humans is ingrained and pervasive, so this is something we need to start thinking about seriously for conservation purposes. End quote. Yes, indeed, conservation programs could implement policies that reduce noise, and, and get this, they could also use noise and this natural reaction to flee to their benefit. Right at this very moment, the team is investigating whether these sounds can be used to steer endangered species like the southern white rhino away from known poaching areas if they happen to accidentally roam into those areas. It's a simple yet elegant solution for sure. So fingers crossed that it works. i I personally volunteer this podcast and my luscious voice if more files are needed. Um, if you're wondering, <laughs> if you're wondering what uh, the lions of Kruger National Park think of humans, I have the best fucking answer, and it makes me so happy. Okay, get this quote: As for the lions of Kruger they appeared unmoved by the human interlopers using their snarls for science. Once, departing by truck, after two hours assembling and elephant proofing a recorder, Dr. Clinchy and Dr. Zanette realized that lions had secretly been making their own field observations of them. This female lion from across the watering hole stood up from the grass and walked away, Dr. Zanette said. She was there the whole time. End quote. From Leslie Evans Ogden of the New York Times. My friends, I would have shit my pants if I realized that for two hours I was being watched by a lion and they just decided just not to do anything, just to watch. Thanks. Thank you for choosing that. I just... That is fucking wild. After the break, we're leaving the lands of the savannah for a certain freshwater pond in eastern Australia. Its toothy residents appeared out of nowhere and now they've vanished into thin air as well. Fire up the old golf cart and I'm going to explain. You better stay tuned. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. Go to your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price price Priceline And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, we're going to need to check our 9-iron at the airport because we're heading on over to the Carbrook Golf Club in Queensland. And for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, you may be wondering where this is too. Don't worry, I've got you. Everyone, please imagine Australia. Thank you now point to the middle of the east coast fantastic this is the city of brisbane in queensland and if you move your finger a smidge farther south you'll find the carbrook golf club now please move them fingers over a keyboard and head on over to carbrookgolfclub.com.au and you'll see it looks like any other golf club except for a logo in the top left corner a part of it is a shark fin, so please put a pin in that. A few other fun facts about Carbrook, according to their website. Uh, the golf club is one of the very few members-owned golf clubs established in Queensland in the last 60 years, so that's, that's pretty awesome. And it all started when Tom Smith bought what was the old dairy farm located right on the banks of Logan River, and just a stone's throw away from the Albert River back in 1972 put a pin in that as well. A few years after Tom purchased the property, a company called River Sands set up their sand mining plant on the adjoining property, and in the late 1970s, they approached Tom striking a deal to selectively sand mine parts of the course. This left some very big holes. Put a pin in that if you haven't run out of pins. (laughs) Needless to say. Lots of massive holes and mining machinery might get in the way of your game. So this was a tumultuous period between members. Many left, a few stayed, but by the late 1980s, a deal was made between all parties and Serenity washed over the club. But because the universe has a sense of humor, a new storm several new literal storms also washed over the land over the next few years, flooding the property, those holes, and yes, those two rivers. The thunder god seemed to finally chill in the early 1990s, and the club was able to dry out. Its course is lush and green, and hey, look on the bright side, they said. We've got a few ponds out of it. The sun visors and The sun visors and flannel returned, tees were teed off, but something was not quite right. In 1996, rumors began to spread that were odd even for Australia. Sharks, specifically bull sharks, had somehow found their way into one of the largest ponds on the course. You had to see it to believe it, but seeing it in 1996 was a little more difficult than seeing it in 2023. There were no smartphones. You had to get your ass up and onto the course and by chance hope to spot a fin poking out from the surface in a pond that was, that is. Well, you'd have a hard time skipping a stone to the other side, she big. It's around 2,300 feet long and over 1,200 feet deep. Despite this, people flocked to try to see this mysterious new school of sharks just marooned on a golf course. By the early 2000s, though, it was official. Fins were caught on tape and video was shared around the world. Carbrook had sharks, and boy howdy, they loved them. The members just let them be embracing their new neighbors and even elevating them to mascots. The junior program, for example, to this day is called the Junior Shark Academy, I know. So my soaked business goose, you may have had a few thoughts by now and a few questions like, okay, this is sweet. I'm assuming those floods brought in the sharks, but how in the holy hell can a shark survive in a freshwater pond and how long were they? And how long were they there for, anyway? Great questions. Turns out, yes, those floods did bring in the sharks. Carbrook is located in a magical spot, just 6.2 miles or 10 kilometers inland from the coast, which is just happens to be a natural bull shark territory. When the Logan and Albert River swelled, 6 to 12 juvenile bull sharks fucked around and found out. They had roamed unknowingly onto a golf course, down into a pond of their own. It was like a teen with their own massive penthouse. When the waters receded, the sharks, though, had no other option but to remain and grow and live their lives here. And holy shit, did they thrive. They grew to a staggering average of 10 feet in length and were healthy enough to, to eventually breed. I know. <laughs> They actually had pups. Their fearlessness continued throughout the years as they would get ever closer to the shore and seemingly watch people watching them. A few signs had to go up asking humans not to swim in the pond because of yes. Yes, of course that happened. God. My friends, this went on for a good 20 years. 20 years. Let's get into how. You're probably wondering, yo, whoa, What about food? I mean, did they eat the golfers? Did golfers feed them? Both sound really unsustainable. What is going on here? I am so glad you asked. And to answer, I can't help myself. I'm whipping out our best friend AI once more to tell us. Uh, I fired up the old platform Speechify and dusted off a voice called Darren this time around, whose Aussie accent will hopefully fill us with joy and information. Okay, so A.I. Darren, uh, please read the paragraph uh, I plugged into your voice hole and tell the good people out there, uh, were the sharks alone in their little area of the world? Okay, I'm going to open up this link. I have not played it before. A.I. Darren, please, for the love of God, work. (laughs) Thank you, Jill. I'm happy to be here. According to Richard Palady of Life Science, their feeding habits were not scrutinized, but it is likely other species were also introduced to the pond during flooding events, such as flathead gray mullet, Indo-Pacific tarpon, mangrove red snapper and yellowfin bream, providing ample sustenance. If sharks can get the food they need, being in these low-salinity environments can be super beneficial because there are fewer predators, Michael Heithouse, a shark biologist at Florida International University, told Life Science. Pups in some nurseries may go years in fresh water, so it isn't too surprising they survived, as long as there was plenty of food. Okay. Thank you, AI Darren. That was, that was okay. So my friends, (laughs) our feisty bull sharks were not alone. They were gorging themselves on feisty fish who also took advantage of the floods, but. The real magic, my friends, is how these sharks so quickly adapted to fresh water and thrived for decades. Although 400 known species of shark can swim between fresh and salt water, yes, you heard me, 400 species can do this. Um, this case of the Gulf pond sharks is the longest known example of sharks continuously living in slow salinity environments it completely rewrote what we thought we understood about a process called salt retention, which helps sharks travel between these two environments. Now, what the fuck is salt retention exactly? Okay, don't worry, I've got you, and I'm gonna fill you in, not A.I. Darren. I'm sorry, A.I. Darren. Quote. (laughs) Sharks must retain salt inside their bodies. Without it, their cells will rupture and cause bloating and death. Given this requirement, most sharks cannot enter fresh water because their internal salt levels would become diluted. But, bull sharks have special physiological adaptations that enable them to live in fresh water. Their kidneys recycle salt within their bodies, and special glands located near their tails also aid in salt retention. While scientists have learned how the animals survive in freshwater, it is less clear why bull sharks almost exclusively develop this amazing ability house or height house of florida international university speculates that probably the biggest reason is that the biggest reason for freshwater water tolerance allows juveniles the little guys to be in a place that's relatively safe from being eaten by other sharks adult bull sharks likely gain their own competitive advantages from salt retention however scientists have yet to uncover precisely what those advantages may be end quote from brian handwork Ooh, Brian. Nationalgeographic.com. <laughs> sorry, about, sorry about that name, Brian. Um, so, my friends, I think we could say one advantage as an adult of having this super exclusive salt retention ability is surviving for years when you're stranded. These bull sharks use salt retention to the extreme. So please, round of applause. But... Around 2015, sightings became fewer and farther in between. In fact, after 2015, there were no sightings at all. Now, according to the National Wildlife Federation, the average lifespan of a bull shark is 12 to 16 years, so it's very possible these sharks lived out their days adored and giving golfers a fucking fright. (laughs) And get this, get this, it's also very possible what brought them also returned them to the river and out to sea. The course flooded once more in 2013, and who knows, maybe some of the descendants of those punk-ass teens inherited not only an amazing salt retention ability, but that curious drive. Fingers crossed they are raising hell somewhere else. So thank you for listening. Rating, subscribing, telling your friends that well, you know we suck, or even our, even hearing our voices causes absolute dread and terror in animals. Yeah, uh, and also tell them uh, about the sharks living in the golf course pond, and hopefully, uh, you know, they're just maybe in an amusement park. That would be awesome. Oh yeah, wouldn't that be great? The, the, the pups end up in an amusement park. Like one can only dream. Uh, And big ol' sloppy wet kiss, and a thanks to the folks over at Airwave Media, the podcast network to which WTI belongs. If you love this show, you will love the other podcasts in this family. And please, stay interesting.